Father, thank you for the way that you love us. And one of those best ways, one of the wonderful ways you love us is by giving us your word, this dear book. Lord, I pray as we open it up this morning that you would speak to us. Would you use the preaching of your word to get done what you want in our hearts today? Lord, you know everything that you intend this morning for every one of us, every person here. And so, God, we just come before you and say, help us, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, some days ago, I read these words. An old man takes a worn book off the shelf. He handles the volume gently, careful not to disturb the fragile binding, while returning to his favorite chair, glasses perched on his nose. As he slowly turns the yellowed pages, his eyes rest on the grandchildren, who lean in with anticipation. Behind them, a fire crackles on the hearth. It's less than two weeks until Christmas, but at Grandpa's house, these words usher in the official beginning of the season. Let me tell you a story. They know the story, but they want to hear it again. The children relish these moments every year. Sure, they love the lights and the presents and the Christmas cookies, but these moments... In front, in front of the fire with Grandpa, this is the heart of Christmas. And I read that, and I thought, you know, now that I'm about to be a Grandpa, I should do that. So, let me tell you a story. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Well, we are here now at the fourth Sunday of Advent, just a few days now until Christmas is here, and in preparation for Christmas this year, we've been looking at the Gospel of Luke, this just wonderful account of the events leading up to and surrounding the birth of Jesus. In fact, that's what we've come to today, the actual account of Jesus' birth. But as much as the primary focus is right there on Jesus being born in Bethlehem, laid in a manger, for a time, Luke directs our attention away from that and over to a group of shepherds out on the hillsides outside of Bethlehem. And it's there on those shepherds that I want to especially focus our attention this morning. You know, we've called this series Watching and Waiting. And that's what these shepherds were doing. But they, they are just watching over the flock and they're just waiting for the morning to come. They are not self-consciously looking for the fulfillment of God's promises like Zechariah and Elizabeth were, or like Simeon and Anna, who we'll meet next week, were. No, these shepherds are occupied with their very simple, rustic life, and yet we have so much to learn from them. There are things here in this account of the shepherds that God wants us to notice this morning. He wants us to learn. He wants us to incorporate into our lives. Yes, the main thing is what God is doing in that birth. But there are things for us from these shepherds, important things, good things, things that will really help us as we seek to figure out and live out our lives. You know, I was thinking this past week, uh, as we walk through these accounts of the Christmas stories, uh, with whom do you most identify? Uh, maybe for some reason you might identify with this person or that person in the Christmas story, but when I think about all of the different ones involved, Zechariah and Elizabeth, Joseph, Mary, the angels, the wise men, Herod, I think the greatest, the closest parallel to us is these shepherds. It's the shepherds, right? Right? Now, you might not like that at first. You might push back on that just a little bit because, you know, we're always talking about how these shepherds represent the lowest class, the most humble class in society. They're, they're uneducated, they're poor, they're kind of grubby. But I'm not so much thinking in socioeconomic terms as I am thinking about the part that they play 
in the story. And how of all of the people in this story, theirs is most similar to ours. We are most similar to them. While the main action clearly is what is described in verses 1 through 7, and so much can be said about that, things about, things about this guy, Caesar Augustus, and the census that he's taking, and how God used this apparently independent action of a human ruler to accomplish his purpose and get Mary exactly where she was supposed to be. Things about that little town of Bethlehem and why it's so significant and how Jesus being born there had to do with God's fulfilling of his word. Things about the journey, that three or four day journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem and what that must have been like, how difficult it would have been with Mary now nine months pregnant and having already faced the challenges of this humanly unexplainable pregnancy, and now to face the fact that there's no convenient place for her to have this child, no, no relatives waiting there for her with a warm guest room and comforting hands. Things about the actual physical circumstances of this birth, that, that manger, the discomfort, the humiliation. And, think about this, given what we know about the importance of the birth and all that that means, the surprising simplicity of the description of the actual birth. Verse 7, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. That's it. So much could be said about the things we read in those opening verses. It is, it is worth looking long and hard at those verses with all your mind and with all your heart. But this morning, while we acknowledge that the main event is happening there in verses 1 through 7, we're going to concentrate our attention on the account of those sh shepherds and, and see what God has for us there. And without question, God has some things for us there. So I want to call these shepherd truths this morning. There are four of them, four shepherd truths, and we're going to find them all in verses 8 through 20. So, first, shepherd truth number one, here it is. Having your life interrupted by God is an unavoidably unsettling thing. Having your life interrupted, disrupted by God is an unavoidably unsettling thing. Look again at verses 8 and 9. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. It, it is a fearful thing to have your life invaded by God. When God breaks into your life, it's more than just a little bit disrupting. I mean, here are these shepherds. They're just ordinary guys doing their not-so-glamorous jobs. They're probably just trying to get comfortable that night after another uneventful day, anticipating another long, probably chilly night, wrapping their blankets around themselves, trying to find, you know, a comfortable position. The quiet of the night punctuated only by the occasional bleeding of those sheep, and then all of a sudden, an angel is standing there among them. And the sky is 
all lit up, like some huge firework just went off. I mean, these guys, they're, they're just ordinary shepherds. Who knows if anything really interesting or really exciting had ever happened in their lives before. And now there's an angel there talking to them, and everything is all like super bright, and they're wondering, what, what is going on? And the angel is saying these crazy things about a baby born for them, and he's right over there, and he's what? Lying in a manger? You might want to close that door, maybe. <laughs> it's going to be distracting to me if nobody else. I've never heard myself preach like that before. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> and then, as if that's not enough, all of a sudden, there's angels everywhere. Luke tells us a vast multitude of angels. I, I read one commentary this week where the author said, I think every one of God's angels was there because this was the most amazing event that had ever happened in the universe. So just imagine all of the angels in heaven with God, God announcing to them that he's going to send an angel down to let some shepherds know, and all of the rest of the angels kind of looking at God like, can we go? And God's saying, all right, you can all go. All go. Angels from horizon to horizon, it must have been just absolutely spectacular. The sky filled with a visible display of the majesty and the power of God. And here is this private presentation of the glory and the purpose of God to these unsuspecting shepherds, the angels announcing to them that something really extraordinary was happening in their little corner of the world. It's unsettling. But listen, this being interrupted by God is not unique to these shepherds. This is what God does with people. Now granted, this is unusual. This is special. But over and over again in the Bible, we see God breaking into people's lives and it's always disruptive. Friends, make no mistake. God is disruptive. I think about the Apostle Paul out there on the road to Damascus when God knocked him off his horse and his life was forever changed. Or I think about Lydia in the book of Acts. The Bible tells us that God opened her heart. No great drama there. God simply opened her heart and her life was never the same. You see, God intends things for us. He intends change. First, this great fundamental change from death to life, from darkness to light, and then a life of change. And he's doing it all the time. And it's not just in the Bible. I mean, history is filled with the stories of people's lives being unsettled and disrupted by God. I think about St. Augustine. I think about C.S. Lewis. I think about Charles Colson, these testimonies that, that we know of. And then I think of the fact that this church is filled with stories. Every one of you who has come to Christ, your life has been disrupted. The life you were living and that you otherwise would have lived were it not for the interrupting grace of God. I often think about this. I imagine you do too, of what my life 
would be like, what your life would be like if God hadn't intervened. Shepherd truth number one, having your life interrupted by God is an unsettling and disruptive thing. Second, shepherd truth number two, when your life is interrupted by God, the best thing to do is respond right away. When your life is interrupted by God, the best thing to do is respond right away. Now, when God interrupts your life, you're going to respond somehow. What I'm saying is the best thing to do is to respond rightly, wisely, appropriately, as God desires you to respond. Look at these shepherds. God sends them this message, verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Did you hear that in verse 11? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a a Savior. What is that? Listen, if you have ever sinned against God, you need a Savior. Which is to say, we all need a Savior. And we know this. Our conscience bears witness to that. And when the Bible says, like it does sometimes, all have sinned and fall short, it's simply saying something our conscience already knows. We need a Savior. Only only God can forgive sins against God. And God, in his great love, has made a way for us to be forgiven. God made a bridge. He made a way for us to be back in relationship with him. He sent his son. He took on our humanity. And as God, in that humanity, he deals with our sin problem completely by taking our punishment for us so that when we put our trust in him and what he's done for us, there is forgiveness full and free. There is restored relationship with God. There is salvation. There is a Savior. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. That's what these shepherds are told. There's a Savior, Christ, the promised one, the Lord, God made flesh, but the angel says, when when you go and see him, which you, by the way, should do, (laughs) even though he is the Lord, it's not going to seem like it. He's going to look really ordinary, wrapped up like any other baby in in this swaddling cloth, except, except he'll be lying in a manger. What? Who lays a baby in a feeding trough? But having heard... The angel's announcement, look at what the shepherds do. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. It's not easy to convey in English the sense of urgency that is being communicated in those verses. The shepherds do not kind of look at each other and say, Whoa, that was weird. Okay, let's get back to work. They don't even say, whoa, that was awesome. All right, let's get back to watching the flock. No. Verse 15, 
let's go. Let's go see this thing that God has just told us about. And they went with haste. That's exactly what God intended them to do. That's the response he wanted. He wanted them there. They had a part in his unfolding plan. I don't know who looked after the sheep. Maybe, maybe a couple guys stayed back. Maybe they just all went, given the, the magnitude of what was happening. But the point is, God's word, God's interruption into our lives calls for a response from us. It calls for belief, and then it calls for some action, some steps of faith. Remember last week, we defined faith as belief plus trust. We want to be, like, like the book of James tells us, not just hearers of the word, but doers, responders. Whatever it is that God's word, God's message calls us to do. Listen, we need to take a lesson from these lowly shepherds and respond quickly and purposefully to God's direction in our lives. So, what has God's word spoken to you recently? Third, shepherd truth number three. When God does something in your life, you should share it with others. When God does something in your life, you, you should make it known to others. I have always had a special fondness for verses 17 and 18 in this account. Look there with me. And when they saw it, it being what the angels told them they should look for, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. I mean, can't you just see the shepherds there? They're all gathered around Mary and Joseph and that baby in the manger, and they're all, they're all talking at once, telling Mary and Joseph how the angel came and what the angel said and how they'd been told to come and, and look for this, and here it is. I mean, it must have been wonderfully confirming for Mary and Joseph as well, confirming things an angel had told Mary nine months earlier about this child, confirming things that Elizabeth had told Mary when Mary had gone to visit her. And you get the impression from verse 18 that there were other people there, maybe, maybe others there in that stall, maybe others the shepherds encountered along the way, but look for a moment back at verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying. They made known the saying. What is that talking about? Well, look back at verse 10. And I want you to look for the saying told them concerning the Christ. Verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. Well, that's just the angel telling them that he's about to tell them something. So it's not there. Look at verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. He's just giving them a sign in verse 12 about what he's told them. It's in verse 11 we see the saying about the child. Verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The saying is that this child is a Savior. He's the promised one. He is, in fact, the Lord. And it's now confirmed by this unusual scene that the shepherds find a baby lying in a manger so they make known what they'd been told 
I mean, basically, these shepherds become the world's first Christian missionaries, telling everybody about the baby, saying he's the Savior, he's the Christ, he's the Lord. That's what everyone was wondering at, verse 18, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Wait, wait, what? What what are you saying? Yeah, the angel told us this child is the promised Savior. He's the Lord. It's so interesting what Luke does here. Look at verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. There's an angel of the Lord. I mean, this Lord has angels. And it's the glory of the Lord. This, this Lord has glory, this big spectacular stuff that God is bringing about. And then, oh, by the way, this baby I'm telling you about is the Lord. We sing it over and over again at Christmas, don't we? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. And that's exactly right. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Shepherd truth number three. When God does something in your life, you should, you should share it. You should make it known. So I ask you this morning, do you have something to tell? All right, number four. Shepherd truth number four. When God interrupts our lives, he usually wants us to go back into our ordinary lives but different. When God interrupts our lives, he usually wants us to just go back into our ordinary lives, but now changed. Look at that last verse, verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I mean, these shepherds, they are, they are changed men. They had not been glorifying and praising God before, certainly not like this. Their hearts are changed. They had heard the good news of a great joy, and it had changed them. They, they had witnessed God's word proved true, and they were different. Did you notice verse 20? The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. What they heard from that angel out on the hillside, what they saw in the little town of Bethlehem, which was exactly as it had been told them. Listen, when God invades our lives, he intends change, and he wants us to live out that change back in our ordinary, everyday lives. And I've wondered a little bit about how this might apply to us, even in the midst of our very current situation. Maybe... God has met you during these past months in some unusual way. Maybe he's been trying to interrupt your life and get something through. You know, we talk about how eagerly we want to just get back to normal, but as much as we want that, we do not want to miss whatever God might be trying to get done and get through to us. We do not want to go back to normal exactly the way we were before unchanged. 
Something significant has happened and nothing gets wasted in God's economy. And hopefully some layer of growth has been added in our lives during these past months so that when we do get back to normal, we'll be different. Friends, you know this. God is always at work. I remember during my high school years, there was this thing that was kind of going around among Christians. People would wear this pin, and it just had a bunch of letters on it. And the letters were P-B-P-G-I-N-F-W-M-Y, which stood for, please be patient. God is not finished with me yet which was taken from that verse, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it, to bring it to completion. So what's the point? As God interrupts and is at work in your life, in small ways, in grand ways, we still have to live our ordinary day-to-day lives, but God forbid that we should remain unchanged or just go back to business as it was before. When God interrupts, he intends for us to take whatever he's brought into our lives and let that now shape our day-to-day ordinary lives so that there's growth. The shepherds returned back to their not-so-glamorous jobs, back to their fields, but they were different men. Well, there you have them, four shepherd truths, but let's not forget that this life, this growth, is a big reason why that baby came. He is a savior, rescuer, redeemer, and he is Lord, all-powerful God. He came to rescue and to rule, and these shepherds They help us see that. So we need, as I said before, we need to look long and hard with our mind and with our heart at what God is saying to us here. This Jesus came to save us and to lead us into life such that for those who are in Christ, he now supplies everything necessary for us to grow more and more into the fullness of of this new life that he gives. And so we say, glory to God in the highest and a Merry Christmas to you all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for speaking to us again so sweetly and so clearly through these historical accounts. God, we want to be like these shepherds. Wherever we are, whatever our lives are like, whether we are rich or poor, whether we are educated or uneducated, whether we are young or old, whatever, we want to be like these shepherds. We want to receive your word. We want to respond to it, and we want to tell others about it, and we want to live differently. And so God, in your mercy, thank you for speaking, continue to speak. We pray that you would make us more and more like Christ. 
We thank you for sending him. Help us, help us to keep our eyes on him. We pray in his name. Amen.